What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 48, Go Figure Podcast. Excited to be with you this Tuesday. Hope your summer is going very well, Ty. July is ticking down, and what does that mean to you? Man, it's it's just flying by. I can't can't believe it. It's it's getting hot though. It is. It is. Yeah, we're we're back to those hundred degree days in Utah. Which some people think doesn't happen with as much snow, but we get a lot of snow in the winter, which we did this winter, thank goodness. And then the summer, I mean, we might have uh, 10, 15, 100 degree days here over the last few weeks because they start uh, they start just coming. Yeah, was there still snow up there, Mount Timpanogos? Uh, yeah, so I did that uh, nasty hike this weekend. That's eight and a half miles straight up and eight and a half miles down. It was like 17 miles. And so on the uh, on the east side, well, the west side of the mountain, all the snow had melted because the sun beats yeah. on it all day. But on the east side, there was snow everywhere, and it was slushy, and it was slippery. And so, yeah, we were... It it wasn't like it was super difficult, but it was just obnoxious and added time. And, <laughs> and then, you know... When you you don't weigh 125 pounds like my my son, you know you might slip through the snow and tweak your ankle a little bit or get cut up a little bit, which I did a few times. So, but other than that, it was uh, it was painful. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. I I thought I was having a hard day sitting at the uh, the parade. Oh yeah, so uh, can't even imagine hiking Timp. Yeah, it was uh, it was a beast. Uh, just that last half mile, you're on like this slippery rock and you're just dead. So I get up there, and I died for about 45 minutes and rested, and then we came back down. It wasn't too bad. But, but uh, oh, and I got a $130 ticket, so that was nice. Wow. Yeah, there were, apparently you had to, like, register to get a parking spot, and there were plenty of parking spaces, but they wouldn't let me in there. So they're like, oh, go park over there, which I did, and there was no no parking sign, and I was off the road pretty good. Maybe six inches of the tire was still on, so I wouldn't fall off the road. But apparently that was still a $130 ticket. So I paid that this morning, so good times. Wow. Good on you, Mount Tim. There we go. Well, friends, entrepreneurs, small business owners everywhere, and funding specialists and partners, today's uh, topic is a very important one. We've talked a little bit about it, but haven't really highlighted it the way we're going to do today, and that's how to create a true USP, that unique selling proposition in your business, which if you're not unique, if you're not memorable, if you're not delivering more value, you're out of business. That's going to be not necessarily a money topic. We're going to call it a mastery topic, which we haven't done in a minute. So that's what we got going on. What are our other two topics today, Ty? Yeah, our money piece. We obviously always need to talk about money on this yeah. uh, podcast yeah. and show. So we're going to talk about the best places to generate the highest ROI, return on investment in life mm -hmm. and in business, because there's a big difference there. Um, and then for sports, we don't Dive into a whole lot of college football, Leo. But it's about uh, time. It's about yeah, that time. You know, I'm sick of talking about Aaron Rodgers. It's it's time to just quit. You you all know how we feel about the Jets and you know the the preseason suggestions and yeah. rankings. So you know what, we're just gonna shut up and let that play out for a minute before we dive too much into Rodgers. So we're gonna talk college football, the preseason rankings where your team stands and, and what we think about how that might actually shake up. Mm, going to be good. Going to be good. Can't, can't wait. Uh, there's always something interesting going on there, and it'll be certainly interesting to see how some of our local teams do. BYU uh, joining up with the, uh, is it the Big 12? Is that what yeah. we call it? Big 12. Yeah. So we're going to see how Scary. that, uh, I think, uh, I don't think the conference respects him. Didn't they like pick him to like no, uh, I think they're do supposed really to be, poorly? <laughs> yeah, I think towards the very bottom, which... 
So I, I get that with basketball. I think yeah. that's probably true in basketball. Yeah, football, yeah no, they've got a tough I think basketball. We can win conference. some games. Yeah, we'll I see. think well, certainly are going to put points on the board because yeah. you've got a, a a lot of returning offensive linemen. You got some talent at the wide receiver yeah. position and the running back position. Mm. You got a really driven, talented quarterback who yeah. I think is going to play extremely well. So really, what we're talking about is can the defense actually, you know, which we finally made that up. move at D coordinator. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Gives you gives you some hope because they have a lot of talent on the defense. There's yeah. no excuse for them not. You know they gave up so many points yeah. last year. I mean it was just mind boggling. That, that no blitz defense is, doesn't seem to. Work oh anymore. yeah, the no blitz. I don't know. That's like Kyle Whittingham's favorite thing too. Yeah, it's crazy. That didn't work out so well in the Rose Bowl again for him. But yeah. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right, guys, let's jump into topic number one, everyone, which is mastery, how to create a true USP, unique selling proposition in your business. And so, you know, ChatGPT just gives us a good definition. Let's see what it says. Involves identifying what makes your business or product uniquely beneficial to customers and using that distinction to your advantage in marketing and selling a true USP distinguishes you from your competitors, resonates with your target market, and effectively communicates why your product or service is the best choice. And we're going to go through the step-by-step. I think there's seven steps uh, to the process to create a USP. When you think about a USP, Ty, like what companies come to mind like, okay, that is very unique what they're doing or what they, how they present their product or service is, you know, so different from everyone else. It really resonates, stands out. What are, you know, different uh, companies or products out there that for you stand out like, wow, that that's a great, unique selling proposition? Yeah, I mean, for me, well, the first, as you were saying this, I was thinking about our business and what yeah. our unique pro- uh, selling proposition is. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a minute. But you asked me the question, what other businesses? I'd say the first one that comes to mind is uh, Turo. Um, I think unique. what Turo yeah. has done is absolutely incredible as far as nobody likes to get off of an airplane, rush through the baggage claim so that you can be first in line to make it to the rental car place. They always seem to lose your reservation. They always seem to try and upsell you all sorts of shit. It's this nightmare. It takes a couple hours before you're finally out of the airport. Why? Why do I have to waste you. two hours? Time? Exactly. It's crazy. And so Turo is, you know, the, the Uber of rental cars, the Airbnb of rental cars where you get to use someone else's car. They can drop it off right on the side of the, uh, passenger pickup. So you get out of the airport, you get in your car, you drive off. It's way less expensive. No one's trying to upsell you a bunch of crap. So their their USP, I think, is is fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up because I absolutely love Turo. Uh, this show is not sponsored by Turo, but that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Like a product that is so good and delivers so much value and is so much, it's just incredibly unique compared to regular car rental places, which are an absolute nightmare every single time. I absolutely detest and hate them, <laughs> and I will never ever go to a car rental place again i will always get turo and i guess if there isn't a turo then maybe i'll just uber 
Yeah. But exactly. I mean, I love it. You're right. I mean, you you basically go, they either drop it off right there, you pick it up in the short term parking. Uh, you don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to sign anything. The worst thing you have to do is take a picture of yourself with your driver's license, which takes about one second, and click the button, and you have got a great car. And the selection is tremendous. Think about car rentals. Like You don't ever really have a great selection. You're like choosing a quote-unquote sedan or a quote-unquote whatever, and it ends up being a crappy car nine times out of ten. But you can get a very nice vehicle in great condition, and you've got to do your part, which I also like. Like you can't go trash it. You go trash it, you get kicked off of the Turo app. Good, yeah. great. We don't want people like that in the network in the first place. And same thing with Airbnb. If you're a terrible, you know, guest, and the host is going to review you and say you're a terrible guest, and then you will be kicked off the platform too because you trashed the property. You were reckless and idiotic, like that one guy in our Airbnb who was like, you know, smoking so much weed that like the theater room just smelled like. Uh, I don't know, like a skunk for days. We had to like get it uh, steamed out. It's like, dude, go smoke your weed out outside, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge Kool Aid stain on the the white bedspread. I'm like, what? What are you thinking? Oh man, crazy. great example. Well, let's dive into this and look at some, you know, how this unpacks. So, step number one: understand your market. Knowing your target market is crucial. Understanding their needs, wants, and pain points. Survey your existing customers to gain deeper insights. So very vital to understand your market. Like, what is your market like? What are the products and services out there? Uh, you know, what is going on? And, and that kind of really leads into step number two, analyze your competitors, right? What is your competition in the market? What are they doing? What are their unique selling points? And how do they market themselves? And you can always find out if everybody's kind of just doing the same thing because their offer, their product service will be very similar. And then you become commoditized. Like there's nothing unique about it. You're just a regular commodity out there. And what you want to do is create a completely unique offer, something that sets yourself apart. And so, you know, with us, for example, you know, we're a business finance marketplace. We've served small business owners. And some people would say we're competing against your local bank. Well, let's look at the, your local bank. If you want to apply for financing, number one, you go to see the local bank in person, which that's kind of annoying. And then you're going to talk to them about a business loan, and then they're going to tell you all this stuff. And then, I mean, how long were we in the bank last week setting up just bank accounts? It was an hour and a half. And it would have been longer, but we actually had all of our documents that we emailed over to our banker, and this is the top bank in the, in the world, and it still took us forever. It was very inefficient, but you know they are the biggest bank in the world, so what are you going to do? But if you're looking for a loan or a line of credit for your business, you go and apply in person, and ding, what happens to your credit? That's it. It's a hard pull every single time. I don't know why they're still doing that, but that just shows how archaic and out of touch they are. But with us, we are approved on experienced soft credit checks. So right away from the get-go, you didn't have to go in person. You could apply anywhere in the world with an internet connection. And it was a soft credit check, didn't impact your credit, whereas the bank is going to impact your credit. And then we've got not just a couple products that your bank might have, which are probably only SBA, but we have the entire marketplace, which guarantees to get you the best option. And now already, everything we're doing is setting ourselves up and creating a unique selling proposition. And that's how you want to do your business. How can you create more value for your customer, for your client? And then I love that we take it a step further, and I want to educate and empower the client. No one taught us about credit money in high school and college. And 
that's our job. Part of our mission is not only we're going to finance your business and get you the best options out there, but we're going to educate and empower you about personal credit, business credit, everything that no one ever taught us about. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the other thing that when you first brought this up that came to my mind, Leo, is a huge competitive advantage that, that we have is we go out and we understand the business models of our referral partners. Mm, and huge. we create a team that comes from similar backgrounds. We're not just a bunch of people that got finance degrees that really all we're looking at is the raw data, the numbers. We actually want to know and understand if you're an e-commerce client, we have plenty of team members that actually come from e-commerce backgrounds. We have real estate backgrounds. It's understanding what you're trying to do so that we can truly serve you and understand your business, not just what's your credit score, what's your income, oh, you don't qualify. We can look at all sorts of solutions because we know what you're trying to do. And that, that is super powerful too. So as you think about the business that you're building and the clients you're trying to attract, if you're just attracting whoever and you're marketing to everybody, then you're really marketing to nobody. But if you start getting to specifics like, hey, I want to work with this vertical, this industry, in our case, we're like, we love e-commerce businesses. Yeah. They're inventory driven. They need lines of credit. They're a perfect you know, client. We understand them. You worked in Amazon software and uh, providing programs to, to support these Amazon and e-commerce business owners for years. So is our team. And that gives us a competitive advantage to connect with these different uh, verticals, coaches, trainers who already have e-commerce clients. And so if you think about your business, who are the dream referral partners you can work with and really resonate and understand their needs, challenges, and obstacles, and then create those solutions specifically for that group? That's going to give you a big, a big head up on the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it's, it's so important that you can define that because the next thing we talk about here is being able to communicate your USP effectively. And far too many times I, I see businesses make a huge mistake as they start to write this novel about all the things that they do. And guess what? People don't care. They're not going to read through all of that. Whereas, no. you know, you look at, again, Turo as an example, it's like tired of standing in line, trying to wait for your rental car reserve a car with the click of the button, right? They, they make yes. it, they, they know who their market is. It's, it's the younger generation that doesn't want to stand in line, doesn't oh. want to be upsold, doesn't want to talk to anyone, doesn't want to say a Toyota Camry or similar and show up oh. and it's a <laughs> crazy old, yeah. Buick, whatever that may be. I don't, I don't know. That's a terrible example, but we want to know exactly what we're getting into. We want to have that instant gratification of I click the button, it's reserved, I get to the airport, I'm done. You don't put all of that. It's it's a very quick, easy, the fastest way to rent a car and know exactly what you're getting, right? It's it's that clear statement. So oh, I love um it. yeah, it's it's you really, really hone in. You've got to hone in on what your USP is and how you can effectively communicate that in one or two sentences. And it, it usually comes down to, oh, we do this and we do that, right? Any business that starts off their unique selling proposition with we do this and we're this and we're that and we're award winning. And now you've already lost your customer and client. You should be having the conversation from their point of view. I don't care about what you think you are, what you here's talk to me about the problem I have and how you're going to solve it. Right? It, yeah, exactly. And early on, we still use this one for a lot of our, our end users and our clients, but we have other USPs for our partners, our referrals, but our yes. big one was always, we say yes when banks say no, mm -hmm. right? That pain point is the bank saying no, they're sick of it. They want to hear yes. And so we say yes when banks say no, that is communicating our USP right there. Exactly right. Bank hard pulls you. 
We don't. It's a soft credit check. They don't educate you. We've got free education to teach you how to dominate your credit and really save not just thousands, but hundreds of thousands of dollars for the rest of your life by understanding your credit better. And then there it is. Deliver on your promise. Deliver on your promise. Do what you say you're going to do. If you think you're going to get by by saying you're going to do something and then not actually delivering on that result that you promised the client, that's not going to work anymore. I feel like back in the 80s and 90s, people could actually do this, especially if you were mail order or even, even local. I mean, people didn't have the ability to know what the experience was like. But if you don't deliver value, not even just uh, 99 times out of 100, but 100 times out of 100, well, the whole world's going to find out like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we've seen that time and time again with partners and colleagues where they don't do what they say they're going to do. They, they may get by for a few months. They may make a little bit of money here and there, but it is going to come back and bite them every single time especially nowadays more than ever. I mean, you see a company online that has hundreds or a thousand reviews and they're managing a 4.7, 4.8, 4.9 out of five-star rating on Google or any of these review sites. Like that is incredibly difficult to do because it's the unhappy people who are maybe unhappy almost about everything in their life and they love giving out one-star reviews. Those people are much more likely to leave a review versus the people that had a great experience and is already on to the next thing. And so to maintain a high online user rating and review process and customer experience that is something that cannot be faked anymore. Google will remove fake reviews like that. They smell through them like nothing. And so, and yet they'll, it's almost impossible to take the uh, BS one star review of, you're like, who is this person? They're not in our system. I don't know where they came from. It's almost impossible. So, to maintain that high rating really shows that you're delivering value here's, and on your promises. Here's a question for you, Leo, because just talking about how crucial reviews are in general. Um, if you're wanting to get your backyard done, say you want to have a bunch of cement poured, um, you're putting in a new patio and you've got two options. Option one has absolutely zero reviews whatsoever. Our option two has 500, but an average of three stars. Which one are you taking? Oh, I'd probably take the new one without any rating. Interesting. Yeah, that's that, I, honestly, I think I, I don't would, know. I would probably take the three stars. I would yeah. go through them and see, you know what? If they're three stars, there's definitely a lot of fives. There's definitely a handful of ones. I'm probably going to be a little bit more careful, a little bit more on top of them to make sure they're yeah. actually doing the job. But that's a lot of reviews, to me, though. Zero I mean, stars. That means they've been in business a it, long exactly. time. Exactly. The other one is more likely to roll on you yeah. and not even be there. It, it, which is my point. It's so yeah. important you get reviews. If I yeah. look at someone and they have absolutely nothing, I'm not taking that chance. Honestly, I probably would do a none of the above and go with it and find a different one. That's, that's <laughs> probably answer. what I would Good do in answer. that situation. But I mean, I. I have that exact experience because we were doing our uh, in our backyard. We we did a basketball uh, cement pad there, and and so this guy was this literally. And and right before that, we had a guy who took forever to do an extension on our driveway, and he was horrible to work with. And it took literally like two and a half months to, and it was not a huge extension, but he finally got it done. And this other guy who had been competing for that is talking crap like, oh, I'm so good. I'm going to knock this out. So, we're, so we went with him. Big mistake. Yeah. So he does the, the basketball pad back there, and he doesn't have any help. And 
basically the cement is cracking within six months. Oh, just geez. just flaking off, going everywhere, and it's just an absolute nightmare. And we did not make his final payment because he didn't do the job. Yeah. So we had paid like two thirds, and he won- and we're like, yeah. And then I think he. Uh, I think he filed a bankruptcy and he didn't deliver on that. And he said that he didn't get paid on this other job. I don't know. Bottom line, it went really poorly. And he actually had a few five-star reviews, but he didn't have enough. So I think that that speaks to your, somebody who has a lot more, but maybe an overall lower rating versus someone who's new and maybe has a higher rating. You're right. The one with more overall reviews has been in business longer. They're probably going to keep staying in business and keep in mind that the negative people are so much louder than the positive ones. I mean, the positive ones were already on the next uh, thing. We, we don't yep. even take the time to review us. So if you did have a good experience, I think it's important that you, you actually review and take the time. And I try to do it so easy on your phone now, but it really is important because it helps that business and it helps it helps the world know if, if they actually deliver value or not. So great, yeah. great points on that. And then it says keep evolving. I think Gary Vaynerchuk always spoke to this really well. Where he's like, uh, imagine what it would take to put you out of business, like exactly what Turo's doing to car rentals. right? And that's exactly if you're a car rental place, you should have been imagining, well, what would it take to take us out of business? What would it take, you know, someone with an Airbnb type app and uh, marketplace? Yeah, that's going to probably really hurt our business. And so, but none of the car rental companies do that, right? If you were Blockbuster back in the day, well, imagine what would it take to knock you out of business? Well, it would take something like Netflix, where it's easier, where you don't have to go in, where you have the same uh, selection. And then it became, oh, now you can stream it. I don't even have to go into Blockbuster anymore. And that's what it took to take them out of business. But they didn't do that. They never thought, well, what would it actually take to knock us out of business? And so I think, you know, for us, you know, we look at the business uh, finance marketplace. Well, it's a fintech. That's what would put us out of business or at least hurt our business. And that's why we're building a fintech app to create more online solutions, more automated solutions for small business owners and entrepreneurs. And if you're not making that investment, I guarantee you somebody is and they'll eventually disrupt and knock you out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the biggest things for us, Leo, when we talk about evolving, because we were talking about reviews right before that was finding a solution so that the second someone finishes funding, they automatically get a text with a link that takes them right to literally where they click on the stars and it posts right to Google. Huge. Whereas prior to that, it was, hey, do you mind going to Google, typing in seven figures funding Utah, Mm. and then going to the review section, leaving a review, our reviews increased astronomically when we invested a little bit of money on a developer that could ultimately put that into place for us. We didn't have to go spend thousands and thousands and pay thousands of dollars every single month to get reviews. We brought someone in that knew how to do it. And now we are, are well over 500 five-star reviews. So, I mean, constantly evolving and doing those little things that give you that competitive advantage is, is crucial. It has to happen. No question. Well, that was a lot of fun. That's the mastery section there and a great, great discussion on creating a unique selling proposition. And if you aren't constantly thinking about how you can evolve and improve that, you must or you will be out of business or at least lose a big chunk of your business. Let's move on to the money topic. What are the best places to generate the the highest ROI in life and in business? And I asked ChatGPT on this one, and the first thing it said was like stocks and bonds and all these little kind of old school traditional things. But 
I would submit that the number one investment that you can make in yourself, and I think you've heard this from Tony Robbins and some of the greatest entrepreneurs and thought leaders out there in business and in life, and the number one investment they always talk about making is in yourself. What does that mean, and why do you think they say that, Ty? I, I mean, because at the end of the day, your success in, in business, in life, as a father, as a brother, comes down to how you are as a, a person, how you are as an individual. And so if you're bettering yourself, you're bettering your business. If you're bettering yourself, you're bettering your spouse. You're bettering your brother. You're bettering your colleagues. And so ultimately, if you are improving yourself, you're improving everything around you. Yeah, no question about it. And I think all I have to do is think about in my 20s where I did such a poor job of just investing in books because most people go to school, they get out of school and they're like, I'm done. And they don't spend the time reading the books about those who are achieving greatness, who are really disrupting and dominating and becoming experts in their space. Whatever your space is, someone's written books, someone's created programs and courses and YouTube videos who have actually done what you're trying to do. And while you're sitting there, you know, just screwing around and, and playing fantasy football all day and all weekend long, someone else, a small percentage of the population in your industry is reading the books, is learning, is becoming an expert. And those are the people that are dominating. And so when I started to finally invest in books and mentorships and programs, I still remember an online program I, I bought about learning how to do online marketing. I spent two grand on it on a and the, the timer was ticking down. And ultimately, I don't think I got you know, tons of value, but I did get some value from that program. And it opened the door and I started making other investments. And I learned way more about building a business than I ever did in college. And, and that's why it's so important to make those investments. And people are so quick to label those things as scam, but yet those are the people that achieve greatness are the ones that invest in themselves. They invest in programs. And the quickest way to success is finding someone who's already done it and asking them, hey, do you have a roadmap, some directions that I can ask for? And so if you don't invest in yourself, yeah, the, the return is going to be very small. If you do, it's exponential. Like you think about stocks that average 7 to 9% annually most of the time over all over 100 years. Well, if you invest in yourself, that might be thousands or you know millions of percent return where you can go from making $25,000, dollars a year to you know half a million dollars a year. I mean, how can you measure that? It's, it's exponential. So tell me this, Leo, because sometimes I find myself complaining. I have a two-year-old and I have a six-month-old. Yeah. And we just moved into a new home. And I find myself complaining that my life is so busy. I, I don't ever have time to listen to books. I don't ever have time to exercise. Um, and I know that's something that you said you've, you've really, really hit on, uh, really hit hard at the last decade. What, what shifted and when do you do these types of things? Yeah, great question. So for a long time, I was kind of like my kids and I think like a lot of, a lot of our team members in here where it's like, I, I there's nothing worse than getting up early and working out. I'm not ever going to do that. So I would try to do it after work and after the day and as your kids get older and they have sports and they have stuff going on after you get home from work, it really just became clear to me that the best time, and this seems to be what the most successful entrepreneurs and people out there do, as listened to a podcast with Ed Milet and Troy Aikman, uh, Saint, they're doing the same thing. They all start their day 
by getting up, you know, 6, 6.30, somewhere around there, they get up, they get an initial workout in, and while they're doing that workout, they might be listening to a book, they might be listening to a podcast, and as they're getting ready, they might be, you know, listening to those things further. And so for me, I try to get up every day, either around 6 or 6.30, I try to get in a 30 to 40 minute uh, workout, just right there in my, my little uh, home gym, could be cardio, sometimes I'll go for a run, uh, sometimes I'll just do strength training, and I'll do that, and while I'm doing that, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm listening to a book, and I'll listen to it you know, while I'm getting ready, while I make a, a protein drink, to get and taking all my health supplements, and just doing that right there, where most of the time your kids are still asleep, then I can invest in me and be ready to go out and have energy and dominate the day. And then when I get home, now I don't feel like, oh, shit, I haven't worked out. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I've started out by getting some of the hardest stuff of the day done first. It gives me a ton of momentum. And then by the time I get home, then I can feel like I can actually focus on helping my kids more and getting, you know, focusing on them. And I feel like if I don't do that, number one, my energy's low. Uh, I, I just feel messed up at that point. And, yeah. and it did take me a long time to actually get to that, uh, you know, that, that schedule. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes time to build habits. I, I, I've read somewhere that it takes two weeks to build a habit. And I think that's kind of bogus. It, it I, is. I think there was a new one. Uh, there's, there's uh, the power of habit. There's like two or three atomic habit. There's, there's a few big habit books that are really good out there. And I think the consensus is it's somewhere around 70 days. Okay. that. That would make sense, yeah. Um, and it's, it's just being so consistent through that time. And the hard part with kids is, you know, you have one night where your six-month-old wakes up three or four times, but it's just being consistent, knowing, look, I'm going to be a little tired today, but but sticking through it, just sticking to it. And uh, for me, it's the commutes, Leo. I That is the only time I found that I, I can't work out and listen to a book. My ADD mind goes way too many places and I'll listen to a book and it goes in one ear out the other and I, I don't gain anything for me. It's the commutes because I can sit and focus on it. So, I mean, you just got to figure out when you have the time to, to hone in and listen. If it means waking up earlier, it means waking up earlier, but investing in yourself will improve your life and the lives around you. So you have to do it. I love listening to books on the commute. And that was, um, you know, with the previous business, I was going from like Draper down to Springville and it was a good 40 minutes yeah. every single day. But I, <laughs> I listened to so many books and I loved it. And so sometimes a commute is really good. And that's where instead of listening to sports radio or listening to just music, most people are listening to music. It's like a habit we start as as teenagers when we start, when we get get our driver's license. But when you transition over to, hey, I'm all in on, you just don't have the time. Yeah. Like there's only so much time. It's like Ray Dalio says, you can do a lot of things well, but you can't do everything well. And I feel like, you know, I've got our business family and our business and I've got my actual family and, you know, my health's important. And, and within that realm, those things, I feel like I just, I don't have much time for anything else. Yeah. You, you have to really sit down and decide what is truly important to you. So, I, you know, I, I can't go do the guys out thing. I can't, you know, go on, you know, go on vacation with my buddies. I can't do those things. Cause if I do those things, then I'm going to drop the ball on something else. Yeah. I've had to learn that with golf. Granted, I played three times this last week, so that's a yeah. bad time to bring up that example. But yes, but you, that's you part of your recreation sacrifice. workout, and yeah. part like, if you don't do that too, you might go insane. So it's important <laughs> to do that too. 
Absolutely. So. All right. And then, you know, there's also, the, I think the next best investment is investing in your own business that you work in. Like you could invest ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in that and generate incredible exponential thousand percent plus returns. You're not doing that in the stock market and you're not doing that in real estate because you have so much control over a business where you can put a little bit of money into it. But if you're putting your time into it, that's where you you should be generating a really strong return. And then, uh, you know, what, what do you feel like are the next best investments out there for you, Ty? Um, I, I do want to hit on that one real quickly, Leo, when you Knock talk about investing in your business, because you did something... Yeah that made a huge difference for me very, very early on when I actually initially became your official business heart partner. Because in my head, coming into that, that meeting, that dinner with you, if you recall, we, me, you, uh, Jill and Marie all went to dinner. Yeah. In my head, I was kind of thinking, you know, he, oh, he's just going to give me a, a large percentage. I've done so much. I, I brought in the initial partner. I, I go out on the road and all of this revenue is tied to me, 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 me. I was getting all cocky thinking that I was just going to be gifted all of it. And you did. You gifted me some, but the best thing you ever did for me is you made me actually put my mo my own money into it. You made me get my own skin in the game, and it was a dollar amount that was a little uncomfortable for me, but my work ethic went from here to here when that happened because I was invested in what we were doing. Um, so I think that's extremely important. Don't just try and find the free way to do this as a business owner. When you put money into it, when you put skin in the game, you're going to find a whole nother gear that you didn't know existed. No question about it. And there, there's nothing more baffling to me, like someone who's like going to venture capital firms to try and raise money, and they literally haven't put a dime. They, they won't like risk anything into their own business. And it's like, dude, why, why should anybody give you money if you aren't willing to put your own balls on the line? So. Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. Believing in yourself is very important. So yeah. you've got to have skin in the game, but there's no better investment out there. Yeah, You invest in your own business that you put your blood, sweat, and tears in. I mean, the returns are just exponential, and then they just grow every single which way from that. And then now that's the next step. Now can I take this money and invest it into other businesses without having to invest so much of my time? And that's the next business model. And so you'll see guys like Alex Hormozzi with acquisitions.com, instead of taking all of their money, they just cashed out for like $46 million when they sold uh, their, their gym launch business. They're like, no, it, we understand businesses. And so they have all these people applying to work with them. They put money, they put their 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 ideas, their knowledge, their their proved proven strategies and formulas, and they grow these businesses and they they are able to not have to put all their time into it, but they, they are able to oversee it and put some hours in every week when they need to and grow those businesses. And again, that's where you can get exponential returns. You know, you might invest in real estate and hope to make 10 to 20% a year in that real estate, and it's still going to take some time. But if you can invest in a business, I mean, you can make 100 200% and not have to necessarily put tons of your time into it. Yeah, which is, you know, something we've been working really hard on. I, it might be a surprise to a few people, but we're going to be making an announcement later today. We're launching a flooring company that... You know, Leo, I've done it a little bit. Have you ever gone and installed wood floor? I have never installed wood floor, but I've, I've paid for many uh, exactly, installations. Exactly. But you have the mindset, the wherewithal, the softwares, the money to actually launch and run a successful business. So we found an awesome partner that knows flooring, has done flooring for over a decade, but is 
not know everything about the business side of things. So these strategic partnerships and starting these other businesses is very, very valuable. The next one, you know, when we look at ROI, it's, it's real estate, right? You, you can obviously do really, really well with real estate. I don't think you're going to do near as well as investing in yourself or investing in your business, but real estate can be a fantastic investment if if you know what you're doing. Don't just go throw mud at the wall and hope it sticks, though. No question about it. I mean, you look at that uh, that land deal we did that generated. Uh, I think we put in uh, thirty, brought back one twenty. That's literally like a three hundred percent return within uh, just over a year. Um, your property in St. George, um, it's almost four hundred percent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it, you look at it. Every, all but one of our properties, we followed mentors. Oh we yeah. went in on these deals with people that have done this their entire lives that know exactly what yeah. they're doing. Um, the only one we didn't was my permanent residence. So I already knew exactly what was going on there. So it, it's again, even though I would say we're pretty savvy with real estate, we always went in with experts and professionals. A hundred percent. Yeah. Don't trust yourself where you're just barely looking at something. Look at someone who's been doing it for years and has a team and has strategies and tools and proven success and let's follow what they're doing because what they're doing is working and they are experts and that is where it's all about. And then of course you've got disruptive stocks, dividend paying stocks. I mean if you can find, you know, the next Amazon that can be great or just just sometimes just the S&P 500. I mean I, I just I like the S&P 500. I like being able to say, hey, you know, whatever money that could just be sitting in a bank account could be, just be following the S&P 500. It's very liquid. If you need to pull money out, I know you did when you, you had to pull some money out for, you know, one of your house projects or something like that, you were able to do it. But but what are your thoughts uh, when it comes to stocks? Yeah, that that's another one that nowadays I, I'm pretty wary of because there's you know, all of these, ooh, day trade, let me day trade your money, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know enough about that to confidently go do it. But what I do know is computers are very, very smart. And there's softwares out there like Betterment that you can say, hey, I want 80 stocks, 20 bonds, and this level of aggression and have at it. And so for me, that's done year after year, 7 to 10%. And so I'm totally comfortable. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I, I don't think it's something that you should go gamble with you may as well go to vegas if you're you know going to do that you know it's crazy like you got all these big hedge funds out there and ray dolly has been the, the you know i think the most successful but i want to say 90 percent of hedge funds that are getting all these billionaires money and 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 same thing even with venture capital firms like all these smart tech guys that cashed out for hundreds or even billions of dollars um i think the s p 500 outpaces 90 or 95 percent of hedge funds and also venture capital firms 95 percent of the time yeah i mean it's obviously you can't say it's guaranteed money but you look at the historical data and as long as you can afford to stay in there long enough you almost can't lose so it's 100 percent. yeah it's interesting and that's why just that consistency and, and so when you spend all this money to pay somebody to be the manager or whatever, and you can just follow the S&P 500 or whatever percentage of stocks and bonds. And, and hey, bonds rates have really gone up with higher yeah. interest rates, right? So that's a good place where you're getting a lower risk and a higher return. And so, but, it, but what it is, I think it's important to understand this. If your time horizon is, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, perfect. That's what that S&P 500 is for. That's what stock investments are for. But if you think you're going to be putting, you know, $100, $200 a month 
And in five to 10 years, you're going to be rich from that. That is not the case. No. And so what it's for is to build your business, cash out, and then you can, you have $10 million in stocks that make you, you know, 5% a year, 6% a year with some stocks and bonds. Well, great. That's awesome money. That's five, $600,000 a year on your $10 million nest egg. But if you think, oh, I'm going to put one or $200 a month and, you know, all these smart guys, oh, yeah, and just and then I'm not going to buy the coffee. I'm not going to go out to eat. I'm going to learn to live a shitty life for five or ten years, and magically that's going to turn into a million dollars. That's not going to happen. No. So I, I, mean, I just want to point that out. Yeah, and Leo, at this point in my life, most of the stuff that I am putting into stocks, for lack of better term or not to get too technical here is a lot of that comes down to the tax advantages as well. Yeah. Right. The percentage of tax savings on top of the, the gains there. So obviously you can't touch that money right away, but there's definitely tax advantages there. No question. Same thing with real estate. You've got depreciation. There's a reason why Donald Trump and big time real estate investors often pay very little in taxes because as a property owner, you get to depreciate that property and it oftentimes eliminates a lot of your income from it while the property's going, while you're earning cash flow. And so those are important factors uh, to keep in mind as well. Well, that was our money topic. We've got money mastery. And let's finish up here and look to our sports topic. And, of course, football is just right around the, the corner here. In fact, this week I've got uh, football tryouts with uh, – uh, the sixth grade uh, teams that I coach. So that's going to be a ton of fun. But what are we looking at? What are you seeing on the preseason college football um, rankings? And what do you what do you see happening this year? Yeah, it's it's fun. There's There's been a handful that have come out recently. I, I picked this one, NCAA.com, because it's the most recent one. But I think it's across the board, no question, number one. It, it remains Georgia. All honesty, be floored if they they don't win it all again they're just stacked you look at their recruiting classes you look at their coaching i mean they're stacked top to bottom where it gets interesting though is two three four and five that's where there's a lot of shake up i i'm sick of putting michigan up there <laughs> you know i i know they made it to the college football playoff but it just doesn't seem like they're they're quite there they're quite ready and I don't know if you knew this. I think it's pretty recent news is Harbaugh's likely getting suspended for half the season. I did. I did hear yeah. that. Yeah. So that obviously That's really, crazy. really shakes things up. I think yeah. you look at draft class or not draft classes, but recruiting classes yeah. and Alabama is as always going to be extremely stacked. stacked but, but it seems like is Georgia the new Alabama? I think so. It at least for, like it, for right? the next little bit. Um, this, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, though, but I at my number three, so I'm going Georgia-Bama. Okay. Dude, USC. Look at everyone that they're bringing back. I'd say the only weakness there is how good is that defense? Yeah. Because Utah's offense was not unbelievable, and they absolutely crushed them in the, uh, the Pac-12 uh, championship game last year. And so that would be that would be my only question. And they also they also played them really well um, in the regular season too. So I'd be if if their defense takes a step, yes, yeah. I but they've got the best offensive mind I think in college football. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely Heisman number one overall pick for sure. Um, that kid got his butt beat up, and he still played really well that back well. Yeah. Uh, he's not a huge guy, too. He's like six feet. No. He's, uh, he kind of reminds me of Jalen Hurts. That kind of, but he's super yeah. smart Hurts, and Kyler gifted Murray. and, yeah, really good, uh, runs well. But, yeah, he was getting killed, and 
I could tell he was getting pissed off. <laughs> He's getting hit. Kind of reminds me of uh, Kirk Cousins in the in the quarterback documentary on Netflix, where he's just getting hammered and hammered and hammered. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, he's yeah. I I like Kirk, but uh, I'll I, I mean, kind of going through this, it was interesting to see. You've got three Pac-12 teams right up there. Um, everyone's talking about the Pac-12 potentially crumbling and this and that, and and so to see, you know, you've got Utah at eleven, Washington at nine, USC at I think it was six or seven here. So. It's it's going to be a, a really good year. I think for the first time in a long time outside of Georgia, you've got a lot of teams that, that could honestly be there. And a lot of parity then this mm-hmm. year. It's wide open. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah. But Utah's a, another one that could surprise a lot of people. They're bringing back a lot of, a lot of talent. So we'll see. A lot of talent. I'm still, I'm still just not sure that Cam is, is that guy. Yeah, I, I think yeah, he's a college guy. I don't think he'll ever. Oh yeah, he's he's a college guy. Yeah, he's a college guy. But man, it just seems like every year he comes to the Rose Bowl. Actually, he played so well two years ago, right? He actually just didn't play well at all last year. So yeah. I guess there was that. Go figure. Go well, figure. Wait, what about BYU? I thought I was escaping it without no, without having no, to talk we, about we, BYU. BYU's right BYU. down the road from us. We've been season ticket holders before. What what are you thinking? I mean, it's their first year in the Big 12. So. Well, Leo, let's put it this way. I'm, I'm 31 years old. I'm named after BYU's only Heisman quarterback ever. It's, it's in my blood. I was forced to be a BYU fan, and it's been hellacious. It's, it's been a life of disappointment. It's been <laughs> a, a decade long of losing to the Utes. And we finally, we actually, we, we have the last, last win. Year, so right? all you yeah. Ute fans, you suckers, we've got the most recent win. And now you don't ever want to play. I us. was there. Jill was very happy. Oh, yeah. I hit my knees. I started crying a little bit. It was, it was great. But it, it's sad when probably my most exciting moment as a BYU fan over the last 15 years is beating our rival in a meaningless game. Like, yeah. We've got some Vegas Bulls, big whoop. We had the year we should have been good, and Luke Staley injures his ankle, and I can barely even remember it because it was so long ago. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I can I can ago. give my unbiased opinion now because I really don't have high expectations for them ever, period. Going into every season, I think they're going to suck, and they get eight to ten wins, and they surprise me. But this year, looking at their schedule, they have some talent. We're going to have a first-round draft pick on the offensive line. I think uh, I think our quarterback that was at USC and then went to Pitt and then is now at BYU, Keaton Slovis, I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I agree. But at the end of the day, you look at our schedule, I think we're lucky to win six games. So it might be a 6-6 six, six, uh, season. It ultimately, for me, comes down to – you know, can the offense be consistent? Can they be consistent? Boy, it'd sure help if they could run the ball. Take some pressure off of uh, off of the quarterback who's brand new to the system this year, but it, it comes down to the defense for me. I mean, if you're going to play that vanilla three four and just pretend like you're going to be able to stop people without putting any pressure on the quarterback, then you're going to give up a lot of points, which is what they did last year. Yeah, and it's and it's two a and two years ago they had a really strong year. Yeah, really strong year. Just some inconsistencies on uh, on a few of those games, Baylor and Boise two years ago. But last year they just gave up a lot of points, and then the offense didn't play nearly as well. And you know, yeah. kind of case Had in point that, that two years ago season. It's like, man, they deserve so much better. They're good. They were two yeah. fumbles away from, or a fumble in the red zone away from beating Boise and being yeah. a one loss to Baylor team, yep. and then we go get our butts kicked by UAB in a in a bowl. So it's like, where are they? That's at? yeah, that's 
That's yeah. BYU. Yeah. So, yeah. That's hope I'm that's, wrong. That's that's a go figure right there. <laughs> yeah, go there figure. You go. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your debt worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.